Welcome to the Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, Ubuntu. Hello, it's Glenda Roberts here with our podcast. My special guest today is Martin Orkoff. Martin, as well as being the chair of the UKCP, you're also a practicing psychotherapist, supervisor, as well as the founder of The Long Boat Home, a service that offers low-cost therapy to anyone who is serving or has served in our forces. Martin, hello there. Hi there, hello. Hi, Glenn. How are you? I'm pretty good today. Tell me a little bit more about what it is that you do. Well, basically, I'm a psychotherapist. I started the Longboat Home because I've been in America in the 60s. Well, you saw the damage done from war, from being involved in wars. And there was nothing happening here. There was no support whatsoever. So it was not just for servicemen, it's also for their families. Families suffered. And the reality is that psychotherapists often have time during the day. And I thought if I tapped into that, people would give an hour, etc. We could produce a network. It didn't cost anything. Went across the whole UK and that's what we did. And for a while it was quite successful. The only other people doing was combat stress who were actually part of the military anyway. They're, they're supported by the government, but it's, it, it's not very good. So we had that service. In the beginning it was went okay, but there are now almost 500 charities servicing mental health for servicemen. So, you know, it remains as a network, but not many people use it now. And I mostly got special forces guys. They're the ones that actually came forward. Um, spooks and special services. So it's very interesting. Your job as chair of the UKCP, right. it's a very responsible position to be, isn't it? What does that involve? The UKCP is the United Kingdom Council of Psychotherapy. Yes. It should be psychotherapies. Well, we have 8,000 members. We have 12 colleges, more modalities or ways of working than you can shake a stick at, and 73 teaching schools that are part of the organisation. Okay. And we regulate psychotherapy. Mm. So we say who's, who's in, who's out, etc. Mm. How, how the setup of each training should be. So we sort of say, this is what it takes to be a psychotherapist. Mm. In my own case, it took five years of training. You'd have to do 450 hours of delivering training, mm. 200 hours of supervision, mm. 140 hours mm. of your own of your own therapy. And then there was a vibe of all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot of hoops to jump through. That was difficult. That was difficult to do. As you know, the training is not easy, no. are they so. Have your relationships suffered in any way? No, they haven't because I've been very careful. Okay. I, I always see anybody for a preliminary uh, consultation for free because I don't want to take everybody on. Okay. This is my home and we can't do things we can do in a hospital. Mm. If they're too damaged, too problematic, I will say, I can't take you on. This is where you need to go. You need a team around you, mm. which you don't have with private therapy. Well, some people do, but I don't have that service. So I make sure that the people I take on, I can work with, uh, with safety for them and myself, okay? I, I can hold my hands up and say, in the past, when I first became a therapist, there were things that I struggled with when I spoke to my own supervisor about how things were affecting me because of client work. You know, being a therapist and, and, and learning how to recognise the stuff that affects us 
from our client work, it was, it was, it took some time for me to get used to being able to manage my own staff as well as the client's staff. Well, I had done five years in exegesis. Okay. Right? I had done five years of doing nothing else but running weekend seminars for three days at a time and working one-to-one -one or in groups of people. Okay. I had spent five years in encounter groups. It was the boot camp of consciousness. And it was really tough, okay. Okay? but it prepared you for a, a life of working with people. Exegesis existed from about 1977 till I think 82 or 3, which you went through. It was a, what was that, a course. It was a three day experience that you went through to answer questions in your own life and to get what you wanted out of your own life. Now, like everybody else who's a therapist, you start off as a patient, right? That's very important. You start off as a client of somebody's. Mm. Even if you didn't think you were. When you go into training, you do five years of therapy, probably that, mm. you know. So, and I'm, I do therapy now all the time. It's one of the ways I get through out the therapist. Uh, exegesis was a one-off thing. Now, I did it when I was 27, and it really rocked my socks, basically. It changed everything for me. And after doing that weekend, I, within about nine months, were working for that group. Uh, that was based in Cobham and Surrey. And it was a humanistic group. We did a lot of catharsis work, rebirthing, physical stuff, and counter groups. That's how the day began. Uh, it was tough. I really liked it. I really thought it was great. It was the first thing in my life that had made a massive difference. Um, well, not quite the first thing, but it made a massive difference. And I thought it was terrific. And then in about 1981, we had an attack from the Daily Mirror saying we're a brainwashing cult. There were questions in the House of Commons. Mm. There were MPs who had decided that we needed to be closed down. No laws were broken whatsoever. There was mm. nothing they could do on that. But what had happened was we were now famous or notorious. Mm. And it attracted the kind of person who was looking for somewhere to go insane. Right? So we had to close it down. Many years ago, mm. I, I actually did the exegesis course myself. Yes. Um, it, it, it gave me a huge insight into my own um, sub and unconscious and conscious processing. Mm -hmm. And it really helped me in making choices, good choices in my life. Mm. So um, I, I probably have a lot to, to say in terms of exegesis giving me the opportunity to find out more about who, who I am now. Today. Yes. Well, we closed that down in about 1982, yes. and then we went into business together using the principles of that mm. to work together in cooperation. Now, as a psychotherapist originally saved me, you know, I, I, have not, I haven't got that. Mm. I haven't got that. Um, I was about 24, and I had a breakdown. Uh, my life wasn't going the way I wanted it. It wasn't going anywhere. Uh, it was empty and meaningless, and I just had this breakdown. I knew nothing about psychotherapy at all. And I went to the doctor, he gave me Nembutol, which were like these old-fashioned pills, you know, the knockout things. And I was like, a zombie. I went back the next week and he said, how are we doing? I can't do this, you know, I, I don't feel anything now. Before I felt terrible, now I felt really good. But he didn't have anything, he was no, nothing. I thought might recommend something, that it had nothing. The NHS, then as now, really on, the, on that level, they, uh, your GP knows about as much about psychotherapy or anything, as he knows about building a shed, mm. right? That's not what they do. So they tend to give up bills. Anyway, I was still really upset. I couldn't really work. 
And I spoke to my father, I didn't know anything about this, and said, do you know anybody who can help? And he had a friend who was a, uh, a psychiatrist, and I think they'd been in the army together. And he gave me this guy, so I phoned this guy up, and he said, look, I can't see you really because I'm too busy, but come and have lunch with me. And I went there. He was working out of a, um, a railway arch in Whitechapel. Uh, this is a long time ago. Mm. And he, he wore a white coat. He had this clinic inside a railway arch. He was wow. a communist, right? His idea was to have a sort of free clinic. I don't know how he funded it. Anyway, we sat down on I think a couple of barrels or something. It really was primitive. And he, him, him having lunch was me sharing a sandwich with him, which was really sweet. He, said he, he gave me half his sandwich and a Kit Kat. And we, he asked me to talk about myself, and I did. And at the end, I said, do you think I'm mad? And he said, no, you're not mad, you're stupid. And I said, well, what am I, stupid? You know. So you're stupid because you're trying to be something that other people would approve of, and you're failing. You're an outsider. You 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 don't. And that could be not good, right? But it could be terrific. But to find out, you're going to have to just relax and and, and observe what's coming your way. Stop trying to force things through. You know, but just just look at what's coming your way and find your own community. Those are the two things he said. And, you know, for me, that was just amazing because you know I wasn't crazy. He was just a guy who said, but you know, I. Stupid's easy. You know, if you're stupid, you can be not stupid. You can make mistakes. You can go back. But but I thought there was something physically wrong with me. That my brain was somehow different. Something. Forget it. And I did that. And eventually, you know, two years later, I found the Exegesis group through a friend of mine introduced me. And that really when everything kicked in. Allow stuff to come to you rather yes. than chasing, or rather than also yeah. trying to be something that perhaps you're not, or trying to be, trying to please people. Mm. It, it's, it's all, I always feel that it's about stopping still and allowing stuff to happen. Of course, we have to be proactive in making that happen as well, because things don't just happen by themselves. But it's, it's almost like a, a marriage, isn't it, when things start to shape and take form. Yeah, it's, it's a lifetime thing. It's not really something that you find and, you know, and that you're fixed forever and you're just a happy bunny. That's, yeah. that's not how it works. But also, you change the badness that you experience into something which is of use to others. You know, that's an important part of this. Unless you've had... Nobody in, let's put it, nobody in our trade has had a good childhood, for whatever reason, because that would unqualify them. When you sit with somebody, especially a young person, they know if you're judging them. If you've been like I was, I was in a gang, mm. uh, I was fighting, mm. the rest of the stealing stuff, mm. thrown out of schools. Mm. You know, I was uh, not on the straight and narrow path. And I didn't like it, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it's just who I was, I couldn't really get out of that. And so, you know, when I'm working with people, I don't have the big judgment on them, and I can see what could come out of them, not what's gone in or what they do, the potential in there for something really rather special. And all the people who are good with working with, you know, people who are really off the wall, come from that sort of background. Yeah, yeah I can understand that, yeah. Martin. And, and through your therapy, you're helping that person to reach that point for themselves. So they need to 
to, to feel where they are and then help them to understand where they are and then move forward. Well, the moving forward's up to them. Mm. You know, I, I don't have a view mm. of where they should go. But just by being in therapy, you have the attention of somebody who is not trying to change you, mm. strangely. Mm. Um, just is there like saying, you know, wow. Yeah. And I'm always interested in the things that people do. They don't yeah. often, most people don't often get any acknowledgement for a lot of things they do. Yeah. And that's part of therapy. You all say, you did that, yeah. amazing. You know, that's amazing yeah. therapist. I, I appreciate. Yeah. I actively appreciate yeah. my clients. Yeah, I get that. I think yeah. when I walked in today, yeah. earlier to see you, you, Martin, you know, and I was telling you some of the things that I've done in my life, and you said, wow, that's good. Well, it's good. Yeah. It is good. It's amazing. <laughs> that's good. And, and also, at my age, I'm nearly 70, I am appreciating my own life. You know, I appreciate even the things that I didn't appreciate, and a lot of things I didn't, I think, well, that person really gave me quite a lot. Or, yes, I know X let me down, but my God, he or she was, you know, we had a brilliant time. Martin, thank you so much for being honest about that. Can I actually From ask... my CV. Yeah, well, yeah. yes, it, it, it's brilliant. And for you, you know, having a responsibility of being the chair of the UKCP, yes. um, you're in private practice yourself, you have your own charity, um, and, and being chair as well, and your own life. Balancing all of these things. It's not easy, no, it's not easy. I won't pretend it's easy. Mm. Uh, the UKCP is mostly volunteers, and there's a very good staff in the office. We have now got a fantastic CEO, Professor Sarah Niblock, in okay. place. So, you know, there's a very strong office that does stuff. As chair, I'm really responsible for the strategy, working with the board on the strategy. Mm. And mostly it's calling people out, you know, because people phone up, they're angry about something, we have to yeah. meet, find out what's wrong, change things. It's, if you look at it, it's much more complex than the EU, right? So no, at any one time, people say, oh, we're leaving, or we yeah. want to stay, we want more, right? Yeah. important bit about the UKCP mm. is it's pluralistic. Mm. It has lots of different ways of working together, and it admits that nobody has the singular truth for psychotherapy. There's not such a thing. But having different approaches enables the people who are clients to choose something that's going to work for them. Oh, yeah. you know? corral stuff together because there's not much point having lots of different regulators with lots of different regulation we try and smooth it out between yes. us we're not the same as the BACP we're different mm. but we work together we work together which yeah. is great let's talk about what there is to come for the future through the UKCP well you can look forward to lots more creativity okay. uh, if you remember we just changed our magazine and that magazine will be about promoting the ideas behind psychotherapy and it will go to every MP, commissioners, the great and the good as well as our own members. Because what we want to do is have people understand how they could benefit from counselling or psychotherapy or just sort of in a journey, you know, but they don't. Not many people can tell you the difference between a psychologist, a psychiatrist and a psychotherapist. Even I stumble over those sometimes, mm. right? So why would they possibly do that? Mm. And there's still uh, a shame thing about going to a psychotherapist. Well, Martin, it's, um, it's actually been a pleasure. I think I could go on all day. Um, but we're going to have to say thank you so much right, for thank the interview you. today. Thank you. And, um, Come I'd love to. Thank you so much, Martin. Thank you. Martin Paulkoff, the chair of the UKCP. Thank you very much. Thank you. Emotional well-being. Emotional well-being. Emotional well-being.